Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking to a Canadian music legend, Andy Kim. This is a man who has had a long career, several hit records. You've heard his music. You've heard Sugar Sugar. You've heard Rock Me Gently and many more. He's really a great person to talk to. I was really pleased that I was able to get an interview with him. And uh, you know what? We're going to get right to that interview because he has an amazing life story that I think you'll all enjoy. But before we get to that, on July 26th at 3 p.m., I'm going to be hosting a Zoom history conference on the 1913 White Hurricane in the Great Lakes. This is a hurricane-ish type of storm that killed 250 people, sank 19 ships, and was just a terrible event. And it's going to be really interesting. Registration is $5 or free for my patrons. And if you want to be a patron, you can be a patron for as little as $3 a month. And you just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. But if you want to register for the conference, you just go to CanadaEHX.com and click register. All right, let's get to that interview. I guess uh, first question, how did you get involved in, uh, in music? Like where did the interest first start to kind of come from? Oh, uh, I think I think it was more um, the escape that um, I um, I I guess it's you know basically my transistor radio um, and growing up in Montreal and and found by accident radio stations like WABC in New York and WKBW. Um, also, um, I have two older brothers and. They had 45s and they were really into music. So I, growing up, I was inspired by, by what I was listening to. And, and, um, but it's really, I, ironically, it was the disc jockeys, how they talked about the artists. Cause you know, um, if someone had a hit, they would play it and you heard it 10 times a day or how long on any station that you were listening to. Mm -hmm. And um, I found a variety of radio stations in in the U.S. that that beamed into Montreal and especially at night and it gave me an opportunity to hear all those great disc jockeys talk about the artists. And so it was basically music and it was basically a lifestyle that that they talked about uh, what the artists were doing, where they were performing and, and all of that, you know? And so that's where my inspiration came from. Um, I didn't, I didn't own a guitar. I didn't own a piano. I had never picked up an instrument until the dream started to happen that, that I would love that life. 
was there anybody that was kind of any musical acts that really were uh, a big kind of uh, influence on you in those early days? Uh, you know, other than other than the the acts that um, that you know you saw on uh, Dick Clark, American Bandstand, and and um, the Ed Sullivan show, and, and, and it was just it was mostly the the artists that that fascinated me. Um, <clears throat> the music itself just kind of owned me. I just became. Um, uh, glued to melody and lyric, and um, uh, I, I, it was it was a, um, a discovery when I started thinking. Well, how does that? How do? How is that record actually sounding like this? Like, in other words, what what happened that that I, I was able to receive that information? Um, you know, I never really thought about it until you're, we were talking about it now. You know, it was, it was all, it, it all kind of came crashing in at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it just made me, made me want to uh, be part of that world, whatever that world was. Um, and so you, you kind of, you know, save money and you get, the guitar that's got maybe uh, two, three strings on it, and the and the neck is warped, but it doesn't matter. You actually started to, at least I started to build the dream, mm-hmm. and um, and basically I I've dreamt my life, and I don't know how else to put it on, um, or how how else to explain it. Rather, um, it's. It's kind of like it's kind of been magical because mm-hmm. I don't know how to tell someone you've got to do this and you've got to do well. That's the mechanics of it all. But what's the inspiration? What takes you to a place that says I want to do this? You know, you don't come from a family that has a piano and a guitar or a banjo and a harmonica in the living room. It's a tenements of Montreal. It's just another world, you know. Mm-hmm. Your uh, playground is not a park; it's the alleyway. So, um, so for me, I've always felt it um, comfortable to be to dream my world, to believe that what I really hoped for was a reality, and then it became a reality, and then you start selling records all over the world and you travel the world and I'll be honest with you I pinch myself today when I look (laughs) back at at any time that I created something or had the opportunity to perform somewhere like wow I'm I'm part of that that family of of artists whether it's musicians or whether it's uh, sculptors or painters Mm mm-hmm you know, I, I've always said, I just wanted to be part of the playground of those people that inspired me and are inspired artists. I wanted to be part of that playground. I didn't want to own it. I didn't want to be captain. I just wanted to be a part of it. In those early years prior to 1968-69, uh, when you're kind of honing your craft, your songwriting, what were those years like as you're starting to get your name out there? Um, it was surreal. Um, my my um, success um, 
was kind of surreal to me, and I really didn't get it. You know, I, I understood that uh, my music was getting played in all those stations that I listened to, um, uh, as I said, uh, the Buffalo Station, the New York Station, were actually playing my record and, and, and mentioning my name. Um, but uh, th there was, you know, there was a part of me that, that felt I was in over my head um, because I was, I, the dream that I had to be part of uh, the Brill Building or to be part of radio um, was was starting to come alive, but I really was not uh, able to... Um, to understand the pulse of it all, so I just kept writing. I kept making records and kept touring, and and eventually, after you do it for long enough, you you finally realize that this is my life. This is this is not just a one moment thing. Um, and the other thing is, in um, in sixty eight, sixty nine, um, I was always told. Um, that you're only as good as your last two minutes and 30 seconds. And that's, you know, it's almost like uh, if you have uh, if you have a hit, well, you have a chance to, to go in the studio again. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a hit, well, your chances are iffy. So I never took anything for granted and felt very lucky and blessed that, wow, I'm on the radio. <laughs> um so, so there was that, and so I, I think I grew into being uh, the person I dreamt about. Does that mean, am, I, am I answering the question? Oh, okay, yeah, no, absolutely. Target? No, you are. Um, in regards to 68-69, was the success of Sugar Sugar uh, something that was surprising? Um, n n well, I always loved the song and I I, um, uh, I love the record I love the sound of it um, you know um, there is a stat that someone uh, sent me uh, last year that said that uh, May 24 1969 Baby I Love You hit the uh, hit the billboard charts um, and May 24th 1969 the same day Sugar Sugar was, was released but Sugar Sugar, uh, nobody wanted to play it, and it only started hitting the charts in the low numbers um, in July and middle July. And so, um, and, you know, it was the year of Woodstock. There was a year we're going to the moon. There was the year of the, uh, there was such a thing as the Hong Kong flu. I don't know if you're old enough to know, but you should, <laughs> you should, you um, should read about the Hong Kong flu in 1969, you know. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of stuff going on. And um, obviously, you know, Baby I Love You was became an instant hit. And um, um, and Sugar Sugar was, you know, I, I would sing it all the time. I would just, just when I was home, or I'd hum it. I'd be walking down um, uh, Broadway, and it was in my mind. It was in my, in my spirit. And so... Um, I was excited about the fact that it was being played, but 69 was like a great year. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I know that Brian Adams and Jim Valance wrote 
I've got it on my phone. It's it's something I've uh, listened to for a long time. So there's a lot of people like me who listen to it as well. Well, there's something there's something about the um, the atmosphere of that song that kind of takes you away from the um, whatever darkness you may be feeling or elevates whatever high you're on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's just a very happy song for. Any occasion, really. Um, how did Rock Me Gently come about? Um, well, I, I, I had a, a great run in New York and things were kind of uh, quieting down in, in New York. A lot of the songwriters were um, moving to L.A. and so I packed my bags and my dreams and I moved to Los Angeles. Uh, I was without a label. I had no label at the time, and I was on my own. And um, I don't know, woke up one morning, and there's the song. And so um, I searched around for someone who would produce it. And, I, you know, you're only as good as your last two minutes and 30 seconds, so I became irrelevant. Um, so after about a year of trying, everybody turning me down, I... I decided to um, to come back home to Montreal, and I started my own label, um, and uh, uh, called Ice I C E long before the beer companies and the government uh, and rap artists and hip hop <laughs> artists used those that term, um, and so I wrote a song that nobody liked. I sang a song that nobody liked. I produced a, a record that nobody liked. I was the only one. And I was lucky enough that uh, I was able to get a little air, uh, radio airplay and, and eventually uh, sold six million, six million records around the world. Uh, <laughs> uh, I cried and then John Lennon gave me my gold record, and <laughs> then I really realized at that moment that that if you believe in a dream and you don't have a plan B, because I never had a plan B, this is what I was dedicating my life to, and I would not accept no from anybody. I would not accept a maybe. I was so passionate about what I was doing as I am in life. Um, that was the testament of it all. It just was uh, 
pretty cool to hit number one in Billboard. It was my second one, and uh, it's just, um, you know, I wake up every morning thanking God for everything, I, um, for the will to have a dream and to believe it um, in front of all the doubters and, and all the uh, uh, all the people that kind of looked at you strange, thinking you should go away. <laughs> um, is it still weird to kind of hear yourself on the radio when you're out and about and then one of your songs comes on? Uh, and it was never weird. It was always, oh my God, they're playing my record. <laughs> I mean, the first time I heard how we ever get this way, I was in my mom and dad's kitchen, which was my kitchen, but still um, it was a, an unexpected, you know, I heard my name and then you hear, uh, you know, Montreal boy and all of that stuff. And um, that was before CanCon, before the government kind of, said that well you've got to play a certain amount of uh, Canadian records so mm -hmm. the, it, it kind of stood out on its own and um, and it's always it's exciting it really is I mean the fact that you want to talk to me today is kind of weird but exciting <laughs> at the same time well I do enjoy your music so I was more than happy to um, kind of in relation to that What's it like kind of playing with bands that you helped influence, like the Bare Naked Ladies? You know, they're influenced by your music, and then you know, you're recording with them. And uh, and for them, it's obviously a very big deal because you, you influence them. Uh, but what what is it like to be working with bands and, and artists that you influenced with your career? Well, first of all, you got to start off with the fact that I don't think I, I don't, I, I never thought I influenced anybody. I just was doing what I did it for myself. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I needed to be safe. And so the only way I could be safe was to really uh, believe and follow this, this, uh, this cinematic dream of a life. Um, and then, you know, bare naked ladies, um, uh, are talented on their own. I think they would have existed without my songs or without my inspiration. Uh, so I never, I never think I inspired anybody, to be honest with you. And if I have, then then great. Mm -hmm. But I did it for myself. I didn't. Um, I, I'm I'm honored when someone says, "Hey, man, I love your music, and you inspired me to do this, and now I'm making records and I'm doing this." But uh, you know, I, I always think about, so what's my purpose? You know, there's a great Mark Twain quote. And it's, it's not, uh, there are two most important things in your life. Uh, the day you are born and the day you find out why. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I recognized my why before I picked up a guitar. And I think I think most I think most artists, songwriters feel that way too. You know, it's like I'm doing this. Well, you're not going to make any money. <laughs> oh well, that's okay because I'm doing this. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Ask me if I'm happy. That's the important question. You know. Mm -hmm. um, so um, if you speak to to Ed and the guys, and they say that I inspired them, well, would you thank them for me? <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like there's something that sets Canadian music apart? Um, 
No. I, 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 um, I will tell you that once upon a time I was able to tell you if it was a, a record that was recorded in Canada. I could tell you by the head of the tape. Um, jokingly. But I just think artists are artists. I've always believed that, that artists, um, uh, Canadian artists, um, became uh, Canadian only because by, of identifying. Uh, I think, you, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know if Canada is the only country that says, he's Canadian, you know. <laughs> I mean, I never heard anyone tell me that he's an American, you know. And it's just, it's music. It's music, and I think that the, the talent is incredible in Canada. Well, was always there, mm-hmm. and maybe the the opportunity or the vision or um, the ability to um, to create kind of limited you um, because um, we're being uh, overshadowed by our our American neighbors. But I always I always like was excited to hear all songs, and so um, I'm not surprised that we have. Um, a multitude of incredible artists that continue to make great music. They just happen to be born in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're, we're influenced by so much today. And uh, I was influenced by uh, the music I heard on my transistor radio. I, I, and, and so, um, um, so I, I'm just hoping that, that, you know, we just recognize the talent and and appreciate their upbringing and their heritage um but i think at the end of the day you don't have a hit because you're canadian you don't have a hit because you're an american or 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 someone from the uk you have a hit because you wrote a hit Mm -hmm. you produced a hit or you created a hit right uh, so a few years ago, uh, you were inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame. Uh, what was that like? Well, that was almost surreal to me. You know, it, it was like, um, it's, you know, um, it's, they give it to you when um, you least expect it. And um, to me, it was uh, just, just the way I felt when in October, uh, I was inducted along with uh, Chilliwack and uh, Cowboy Junkies and uh, Bobby Curtola um, into uh, uh, the Canadian, uh, well, I don't want to say Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but it's Canada's version. It's the mm-hmm. Juno Hall of Fame. Um, it's it's great to be recognized by your peers. Um, it's it's great to be. Uh, after all this time for someone to recognize that maybe um, your music was was part of of um, a foundation uh, for other musicians but um, I just think it's the kind of thing they give you when they want to put a TV show together and all that kind of stuff <laughs> um, uh... So the past few years, past decade, uh, now you you can't you can't just edit that last <laughs> that last sentence. 
and make that it's it's everything that comes before it is important i just wanted you to know yeah no i'll include that as well um look uh, the past 10 years or so uh you've released a couple of albums uh kind of how did those come about well one of them um uh was an album called happen again and and really i had just been away for a long time and uh it was really kind of talk about being inspired um you know i got together wrote a song with ed robertson of the bare naked ladies and I didn't have a producer, and he said he'd produce it, and um, um, and we had a top ten, top ten record in Canada with it, and and it was the first time that I felt that um, I became somewhat a little relevant, mm-hmm. and I started writing and writing, and and then when I when I had what I thought was the best of my music, I um, I I wrote and produced uh, an album called happen again and basically um i i probably got the best reviews in my life but um radio had changed and um they weren't really interested in playing Andy kim so but it didn't matter because i really loved those songs it was it's it's mostly you know when they talk about the journey mm-hmm. as opposed to the destination um so Maybe one of these days, after I'm long gone, some people will discover it and they'll say, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. And the other one, I was just very blessed to uh, to meet, uh, you know, Kevin Drew and Brendan Canning of Broken Social Scene, and Kevin uh, and I became very close. And he, um, he approached me one afternoon and said, you know, I'd like to produce your next album. I said, well, I, I didn't think that people were waiting for the next Andy Kim album. <laughs> he says, that's okay, because I want to do this with you. And and we did it it's, um, to, through the grace and inspiration of, of Kevin and, and the people that uh, he brought to the studio, which was incredible. Um, I, I, I became part of an album that um, I could not have uh, created on my own. Uh, it was his vision that really uh, uh, allowed me to express a part of me that uh, was there, but I hadn't expressed before. And and lo and behold, we had a, a fan in David Letterman, and he invited uh, Kevin, myself, and my band um, during the last few weeks of his show. And so we flew to New York and had a great time. Uh, looking back on your career, uh, you've had hit records, you've traveled the world. Uh, anything that really sticks out? Any major highlights uh, from that time, or has it just been all just one one great highlight? Well, you know what? I'm I'm basically the uh, still the guy who listens to a transistor radio. <laughs> I'm still that person. So when Whenever I've met someone, uh, I, uh, whether it's, um, you know, uh, getting your gold record from John Lennon and then being there when he's recording with Phil in the studio at A&M or, or having, you know, uh, met so many artists that are iconic and, and other artists whose songs, um, 
I remembered that, you know, I mean, you get, you get to meet Tommy James, you get to meet um, uh, Billy Joel Royal, you get to meet uh, Brian Wilson, you get to meet uh, the rest of the Beach Boys. It's, um, it's really kind of a dream come true, you know? And um, so it's, it's all been um, uh, a magical, mysterious almost, uh, ride and to think that after all this time you know you want to talk to me I think you're brave <laughs> and I thank you well no like I said I, I am a fan and I really do like uh, Rock Me Gently it's also on my on my phone along with Sugar Sugar so I uh, your your music still resonates well into millennial generation well I appreciate it thanks <laughs> and uh, my, my last question um, obviously Things are a bit up in the air right now because of COVID, but what do you have coming up? Well, I'm, you know, I, I've had um, a, um, a six-week tour of Australia, New Zealand uh, postponed till next year. I've had so many shows uh, in U.S. and Canada postponed till next year, and so uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm along with everyone else. You kind of self-isolate. I'm. It, but I, I'm I'm ready to break out of the isolation and and, and uh, walk around the real world. I, I miss my my buddies, my, my friends that you kind of hang around with, and um, um, so I I think what what this has taught us is it hopefully is the understanding that something I believed in as a kid. You, mm-hmm. We only have this moment in time. That's all we have. You can plan for tomorrow, but you don't know if an hour from now or a minute from now you're going to be alive. So just, you know, see the blessing. See the fact that there are so many great, great things. I, 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 you know, I've been lifelong friends with a couple of friends from Montreal and, and, um, one of them is in, I've been in a wheelchair since childhood and he is the funniest guy. He is the bravest. He he um, has an outlook on life um, that belies his condition, and I think that that to me is an inspiration. You know, we're all out here to help each other. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not here alone. You know, I I, I I think that's that's the Canadian spirit is to understand community and and to be part of a community and and help wherever you can. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Andy Kim. If you did, please give a rating and review. You can reach me at Canada. You can reach me at Craig at CanadaEHX.com, and you can find hundreds of articles on Canada's history on my website. Just go to CanadaEHX.com. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.